Are you ready to take your leadership in your organization to the next level and beyond? Your competitors will be there before you know it. Today's leaders must perpetually innovate their leadership approach, evolve their organizations, and grow faster than the competition. Welcome to Innovating Leadership, co-creating our future with Maureen Metcalf. In the next hour, you'll meet innovative leaders who have become successful at the helm of some of the most respected organizations in the world, and you can become the next big success story. Now, here is your host, Maureen Metcalf. Welcome to Innovating Leadership, Co-Creating Our Future. I'm your host, Maureen Metcalf the CEO and founder of the Innovative Leadership Institute. We help leaders identify disruptive trends and develop strategies to transform themselves and their organizations into industry leaders. I'm a regular contributor to Forbes and the lead author on an award-winning book series focusing on innovating how you lead and transforming your organization. I'm also a fellow with the International Leadership Association. I am delighted today to have two extremely accomplished guests. Steve Steinauer is the chairman, president, and CEO of Huntington Bank Shares Incorporated. Huntington is a $100 billion regional bank holding company, delivering a full suite of commercial and retail banking, investment management, and insurance services across the Midwest through Huntington National Bank and its affiliates. He is also on the board of the Federal Reserve Bank of Cleveland. Our second guest is Dwight Smith. Dwight has over 38 years of experience in the IT industry. He started his career at IBM and then subsequently founded and is the president and CEO of Sophisticated Systems, Inc. in Columbus, Ohio. Sophisticated Systems provides businesses with comprehensive set of information technology solutions to deliver results from project staffing, assessments, to fully outsourced managed services. With between 75 and 85 technology professionals employed on average, the company has a philosophy that giving back to the community is not an option but an absolute requirement. Dwight serves on the board of the Federal Reserve Bank of Cleveland with Steve and is also the founder of My Special Word, which will be part of our conversation today. So we live in a world where about half of the population is uncomfortable following people different than they are. This is challenging because research tells us that being on a diverse team with people with different points of view and different life experience creates better business results, especially in a point in time where we're facing significant disruption. We'll talk to Steve and Dwight about the power of words and how both of them are challenging organizational culture through words and their alignment with action. So welcome, both of you. Thank you, Maureen. Thank you. Do you want to share any more about your background before we jump into how this interview came about and how you're using words to change your cultures and our communities? Well, it's an honor to be with you and certainly Dwight, who's an amazing leader in the community here. Central Ohio. So Dwight, why don't you start us off with a background of what is my special word and how did you move from that being an organization focused on children to also transitioning it to both children and the business community? So we really started, as you mentioned, with children. And because, you know, there's a basic philosophy that says that words are important. Words can lift people up, but words can also tear people down. And so four years ago, focused on children, ages 5 to 13, we started asking young people four questions. The first question is, what is your special word? What is the word you would use to describe the person you are and the person you aspire to be? The second question is, why did you pick your word? Tell me your story. The third question is, how are you living out your word? Personal accountability. And the fourth question is, what can I do? What can we do as society to help you become that very special person? And to hear children from around the country and around the world say, may I share with you who I am? I am kind, I am patient, I am creative. So I think we need to encourage and lift children up. Turns out that the importance of words, the power of words, both positive and unfortunately negative, applies to adults as well as it does children. So we're focused on children, but we hope that those conversations that children are having moves from the classroom to the dining room where they're sharing with their parents and their preachers and their teachers, this is who I am. We all have a story to tell. So that's where we stand on that. 
And I've learned very much from our conversations and in adult leaders that we work with. We're now integrating my special word into helping them anchor in their values by using language to reinforce it. Yes. And in things that many adults are uncomfortable with, like networking, the folks from my special word come in and teach our technology leaders how to use their values as the foundation for networking rather than what do you do for a living. Yes. Steve, can you tell us a little bit about how words are driving the culture at Huntington right now? Well, words matter. Let's start with mm-hmm. that. And and particularly today where there's a, a bit of polarization. Mm-hmm. And we see this around the world. And so our focus is on defining who we are with an aspirational orientation. And we mm-hmm. do that through a purpose our purpose and our purpose statement is to help to look out for people, helping them lead better lives and helping businesses thrive and making communities stronger. And so by working with that description around purpose, which is commonly understood throughout the company, it orients our team, our colleagues, in terms of looking out for people and broadens it beyond just customers to people as well as businesses and the communities we live and serve. So during our pre-conversation, you talked about civility and the power of words to create and destroy relationships in the work setting, but also in a personal setting. Can you talk a little bit about what you do personally and what Huntington does to encourage civility in a time where we need it more than ever? Well, it starts with this phrase of looking out for people, and we apply Mm -hmm. it first to our colleagues, and we do this through a variety of efforts, but one is through uh, formation of business resource groups. So we have a Latino business resource group. We have a a LBGTQ business resource Mm -hmm. group. We have a variety of them. And these are colleagues who come together with common interest in mind to advance their views and to share around the company. And as a consequence, uh, we've made enormous changes. Our military BRG, for example, caused us to radically change our benefits um, Mm. uh, to to be more sensitive to those deployed or being deployed or Mm -hmm. returning. Mm -hmm. Dwight, how in your companies are you using words with adults to drive the culture, both at sophisticated systems and also in your board work? So we talk a lot about the importance of words, words like respect and kindness, the ability to listen, you know, Mm -hmm. rather than always speak. It's interesting, we had a survey done recently about our employee engagement survey, and we asked asked people to rank seven things. Why did you join the company, Mm -hmm. and why do you stay? It's interesting because when you go top, number one to number seven, culture was number five or six, that's why we joined. Mm-hmm. When you ask later, why do you stay? Culture was number one. Right. Flexibility was number two. In this war for talent, mm-hmm. talented people have the opportunity to work a lot of places, and I don't think we necessarily can be the most competitive around pay or benefits. Mm-hmm. But the thing that we can control and we own is the culture. And a lot of that culture goes back to how do we interact, how do we communicate, and how do our values align with those of the folks that are on our team, and also our clients. And I'm not suggesting that our values all have to be the same. Mm -hmm. I am suggesting that we give deep introspection to what values are. I will honor yours, and I'd ask you to honor mine. Because values drive decisions and behaviors. So how do people share their values at work? Just an open conversation. You have to create an environment where people are comfortable. You know, we'll go back to my special word. Mm -hmm. One of the nice things about my special word, when I say, what is your word? You know, Mm -hmm. why did you pick that word? That's a very comfortable, non-intimidating mm-hmm. conversation mm-hmm. to get to know someone or not. Yeah. So if I say, tell me your background and your strengths and your weaknesses, that's difficult. <laughs> but if I just say, tell me who you are, and then listen intensely mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I really want to know, that's a great icebreaker. Right? And to pick up on that, in the context yeah. then of civility, this um, receptiveness to listening and mm-hmm. respect and willingness to hear other views and to share. Mm-hmm. And whether you, we do it through business resource groups or in many other fashions, mm-hmm. it creates a culture within our company. And that, that, that allows our six, roughly 16,000 colleagues to connect with each other 
on some basis that mm-hmm. might not otherwise exist. Mm-hmm. And as a, as a result, we have more alignment so that when we talk about our purpose mm-hmm. throughout the company, our colleagues know what is expected behavior, and it's coming from them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a big fan of frameworks because it helps us repeat. And one of the frameworks I use looks at culture through the lens of being a vibrant culture. And one of the characteristics is I know you and I trust you, and I know that you will look out for my best interest and I'll look out for yours. And that's really based on I can openly share who I am, that we seek information, that we listen, and that it's okay that you're different. We just have to treat one another with respect. And the data, and I'm referencing some Harvard research, says if that is not present, we won't innovate. Because it is only when I feel like I can try new things that I can be free to be imperfect in my new actions. If that's not the case, if I think you're going to think less of me or be so uber competitive that when I make a mistake, you get to claim that next prize, whatever it is, then I don't try. Or I, I don't step out of the, my narrow boundaries where I know I can be successful. So I really appreciate hearing in practice how Huntington is doing that and, and how you guys are doing it as well, Dwight. So as a consequence, well, Dwight's a, a great leader uh, in this community and, and certainly his, his company is as well and reflects the values he, he's espoused uh, here today. For us, because we have a broader geography, mm-hmm. it's important for us to try and create this alignment throughout all of our regional offices. And so our purpose and having our colleagues understand that and openly talk about it. And an element of that that we've, we've evolved to is understanding what motivates them, mm-hmm. why they mm-hmm. want to either do something or be somewhere. And, and uh, that alignment, that openness, is starting mm-hmm. to foster what we believe is a much more forward-thinking, innovative, collaborative culture within the company. Mm-hmm. So I know that you value innovation, and you mentioned forward-thinking. What are the three values Huntington has, and how do those align with your innovative nature. So we start with a can-do attitude. We want we want our colleagues to feel that they can do things. They're empowered mm-hmm. to do mm-hmm. things, and under that framework of looking out for people. Okay. Right? So that has resulted in a very good um, perennial customer satisfaction, net promoter scores, mm-hmm. JD Power awards, things like that. Mm-hmm. Very important to us that that our colleagues feel. They can look out for people. They can take care of our customers. The second uh, value is a service heart. Okay. We want our colleagues to think of themselves as providing service to that to each other, mm-hmm. to our customers, to the businesses they serve in the communities we live in, and that service heart is reflected in many ways, including. Uh, what they do for each other, customers, but but we're very involved in the community as well, in all of our, our regions. And so that creates, if you will, a soul within the company. So we have a can-do attitude, a service heart, and then forward thinking. And this forward thinking is this opportunity for us to improve, continuously improve, mm-hmm. innovate, uh, change, mm-hmm. uh, which is vital in today's fast-changing technology world in particular. So, as you talk about the fast-changing technology world, and financial services is certainly part of that, how do you leverage the culture and the values to enable what you're doing to innovate and, and deal with the disruptive forces we're all facing? Well, first of all, when you look out for the customers, you'll find where we have opportunities to improve. Mm-hmm. Product, process, policy, etc. And our colleagues oftentimes inform our improvement mm-hmm. agenda. Mm-hmm. And secondly, that attitude of looking out for sets mm-hmm. up a, a willingness to try things and, mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and not to be constrained. In, mm-hmm. in their thinking. So, that, so it feeds into forward thinking, okay. which is very important to us today. It's an area of opportunity as well. We need mm-hmm. to get better, frankly, at all of these values and, and, and overall performance. But, but we're on a, a path, a uh, mm-hmm. way that we think is very sound mm-hmm. for the company. What well, seems like values are both aspirational 
and a reinforcement that there are days we fall short, but we make that commitment and continue to drive toward them, even on days we have to go back and apologize. Well, we, we, we talk to our colleagues about trying to do at least one thing every day. Okay. Uh, and looking out for, again, a colleague, a customer, people, or community. One thing every day. And we have 16,000 of those occurring mm -hmm. or more every day. Mm -hmm. has cumulative impact. And I think provides a brand halo, if you mm -hmm. will, uh, for us. And that's what we're trying to create. And I would add a comment. The beauty of that conversation, I'm thrilled to be a part of this, is that you do those things when other people aren't watching. Mm -hmm. you know, so that's many right. times, mm -hmm. it's, it's like behaviors and words, etc. What do you do when the spotlight's not on you? And I suspect you have 16,000 people doing good because they want to empower others. And they're not looking around to see who saw me do that. They're just doing to do. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I think that's the case, uh, Dwight. So well said. Coming back to your comment on civility, it's this willingness to do good every day. And I believe most people have this mm -hmm. in, in sort of a core mm -hmm. value, certainly here in the Midwest of the U.S. Mm -hmm. And so talking about it openly uh, mm -hmm. empowers them. It reminds them. Mm -hmm. It fortifies what we hope will be achieved, but what we hope they'll do and ultimately allow us to achieve our other objectives. So can you give us a couple personal examples of things that you've done beyond talking to me, which was <laughs> a very nice thing. What have you done in the last couple of weeks that, that were kind for others? Well, Maureen, I'm very involved in trying to find cures for cancer. Now, in mm. Columbus, Ohio, we have a, an annual bike mm -hmm. event called Pelotonia, mm -hmm. and it's a 100% pass-through mm -hmm. of dollars raised. Yeah. As a consequence, I have a lot of interaction with colleagues who have family members with cancer. Mm -hmm. And because we have a lot of involvement, the, the bank itself raises about $3.5 million or more a year mm -hmm. for cancer research, wow. and it's a pure pass-through because we and others corporately underwrite it. So I have uh, connections into a very large cancer research institute headquartered here called the James. It's part of the Ohio State Network uh, Wexner Medical Center. So when a colleague has an issue, they will reach out typically because all of our executive team rides and supports. They'll mm -hmm. reach out to one of us. Mm -hmm. That would be an example where a phone call triggered my outreach to connect a doc who specializes mm -hmm. in that form of cancer mm -hmm. with a colleague. And that's something that happens with some regularity, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. The stats are one out of two men and one out of three women will over their lifetime have cancer. So when we think about 16,000 colleagues plus family members, it's their uh, unfortunate and tragic events with some regularity in that population size. So that's one thing. Uh, another thing that I've had the privilege of doing is being out with uh, a mixed group, some colleagues and some others in the community to talk about what we might be able to do together to make mm. our community better. I always find those conversations interesting. Mm -hmm. The perspectives that are brought, because I'm sort of isolated in the ivory tower mm -hmm. syndrome mm -hmm. and you know, I'm mm -hmm. getting to, at, at 61, get, you know, my experiences are far less relevant today than many others. So it's a, an opportunity for me to listen and learn mm -hmm. and try and bring back and incorporate where we mm -hmm. can the ideas uh, that, that others, um, others have. And Dwight's a classic in that regard. Uh, my special word and, and some of what he's been able to generate is a great example of where he's having an impact on children and adults, but principally mm -hmm. children and their lives. So I, in the earlier conversation, Dwight was talking about the mm -hmm. KIPP school. It's a remarkable asset that uh, Abigail Wexner and a, and a group came together to create. It's one of the best schools in the state, and it's, I think, 99% uh, uh, low income. And it's, it's uh, an oasis of learning, mm -hmm. but also other opportunities. And someone like Dwight's very generous with his time there, and, and you know, 2,000 lives are being changed. So I want to go to the cancer piece, and then I want to ask Dwight the same question. I work with the Department of Oncology at the James, and I work with several different people, but one of my clients recently pulled a group of books off a shelf and said, if this thing we're doing right now does what we imagine, all of this 
will be not relevant anymore. And what they mean is the treatment of cancer will be dramatically changed. And where we used to think it was treated but not cured, there's an opportunity to actually cure cancer of some sorts at least. And that is largely driven by the research funding. And the James, I think, will be the first to have this one technology. Well, the, the James has pioneered a number of drugs mm-hmm. and and uh, and has a, an extent. It's one of the largest cancer hospitals mm-hmm. in the world. But they recently announced an immuno oncology expansion. And so, if you think about treatment of cancer, you have surgery, you have chemo, and you have radiation. Mm-hmm. Emerging now is immuno oncology, turning the body into self treatment by um, identifying cancer. Cancer can be unique in every individual. Mm-hmm, how mm-hmm. it how it how it travels, mm-hmm. how it operates, and the immunologists and others, chemists and others, can mm-hmm. identify that and and recommend treatment that cures it or or mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. abates it, turns it off, without a surgical or, or chemo radio radiation uh, approach. And so one of the, I I think this will prove to be one of the best immunology groups in the world is being formed at Ohio State. And the bike ride we were referencing earlier that my colleagues and many others ride to raise funds, it's roughly mm-hmm. $25 million a year out of this event, for the next uh, four or five years will support substantially this immuno-oncology investment by the James. That's amazing. And so I know we were talking about words and words drive deeds. Mm-hmm. And to contribute to the cure of cancer is an amazing deed. It is. And, it is. And the but just as lives. a special word is, is mm-hmm. uh, amazing. There's, there's, there's so many opportunities to be engaged in making people's lives better. And we're touching on two here. But mm-hmm. uh, and, and Dwight's enormously active in the community. There's so many ways to, to, for, for, for all of us, my colleagues, all of us, to, to, to be involved and to, to make an impact. So, Dwight, what have you done in the last couple of weeks? And you can probably, we don't, may not have enough time to even hear all the things from ringing the bell at the Salvation Army yesterday. That was yesterday. Mighty chilly, but a very good cause. <laughs> and by the way, it's really interesting ringing that bell because you get to interact with the public and you're mm-hmm. ringing and people are coming in. I think the economy must be in pretty good shape because a lot of people stop to put money in. They bring mm-hmm. their children in, and I would say to the child, would you like to ring the bell? And they come over, they ring the bell, the parent takes a picture. See, it's that, the, you're the good Santa that makes it. Well, well, well that's teaching children to give, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the parents are so proud. Like, I just gave my son or daughter a dollar, and they went over and put it in. So mm-hmm. I, I think there are a lot of ways to give back. I, was, I mentioned I was in a school earlier today, mm-hmm. you know, and I am, I, I'm candid. I prayed a long time ago. Lord, what would you have me do with this talent that you have blessed me mm-hmm. with? Is it fighting for equal, you know, justice, which is very important, or medical or law? Mm-hmm. But it's always come back for probably 50 years. Well, not 50, but 40. I'm 62 <laughs> years old. And I was about 20 when this hit me. But it said, help my children. I remember mm-hmm. that prayer. That answer is clear as we're standing here today. And I remember praying, Lord, do you mean African-American children? I'm a proud American. I'm a proud African-American. But the message came back, they're all my children. So every day I wake up, hence my special word, and think, what can I do to help children today? And um, I will never stop doing that. And that's what gets me up every morning. People say, are you going to retire? Why would I retire? Because the company allows me to do some other things to help our community. And, mm-hmm. and just touching just a moment on my special word, I've got this phrase, I believe it's accurate. Think about this. It's, it's simple, but it's deep and profound, I hope. If we can change the words that we use, mm-hmm. we can change the conversations we have. If we change the conversations, we can change behaviors because we are reacting to conversations. And if we can change behaviors, we can change the world. So my challenge to everyone, children and adults, let's change the words, let's change the conversations, let's change the behaviors, and let's change the world. So with that note, as we go on break, I'm going to ask our listeners to think about what words would they use more often to change the world in which they live? We'll be right back. We're with Dwight Smith, Steve Steinauer, and Maureen Metcalf. We're talking about the power of words to innovate our organizations and our communities and our lives.
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The Innovative Leadership Institute is your trusted partner to create perpetual innovation and evolution in your leadership and organization. Are you ready to innovate and evolve? Since its inception, the Innovative Leadership Institute has been dedicated to helping leaders evolve their leadership mindset and skills and create organizations that can continually innovate to achieve results in a highly competitive and rapidly changing environment. We help leaders, management teams, and organizations identify and create the capacity to update how they lead, identify, and implement transformative solutions necessary to meet their mission and create strategic advantage. The Innovative Leadership Institute offers proven results backed by leading-edge research and a global network of accomplished consultants and thought leaders. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Maureen and her associates are ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your goals. Move forward with the Innovative Leadership Institute. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com today. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Innovative Leadership, co-creating our future. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Innovating Leadership, Co-Creating Our Future. You are with... Dwight Smith, Steve Steinauer, and Maureen Metcalf. And before break, we talked about the power of words to change actions and to change our entire culture. Mm -hmm. So I want to start this segment a little more personally. What are the words, and Dwight, I'm going to start with you. What is your special word, and how did you come to have that as your word? So I've had a special word for many years. I'm not exactly sure how I ended up with it, but I'd love to share it. So my special word is actually four words, and it's sold, S-O-L-D. The theory is that we are all sold out to something, and when you're sold out, you're completely committed, right? Like riding 200 miles on a bicycle over a weekend. You gotta be completely committed. Well, the S stands for silence, and by the way, I'm sold out to Christ. That I never hide, I'm a very committed Christian. The S stands for silence because the Bible talks about the power of words to lift up but also to destroy. So I try to be careful and aware of the words that I use. Silence, be silent, listen, as opposed to speak. The O stands for obedience. And I often say to young children and others, if you believe someone loves you, cares for you, and has your best interest at heart, shouldn't you be, don't you want to be, obedient? The L stands for leverage, to whom much is given, much is required. Every one of us has gifts and talents. Question is, what do you do with those talents to inspire others and to change the world? And the D is discipline to do the right thing the right way every day. So every day for many, many years, I wake up and I recommit to living out my special word. Every night when I go to bed, I ask myself, how did I do? Throughout the course of the day, I use that silence, obedience, leverage, and discipline to guide my behavior and my decision-making process. So that's my word. Thank you for allowing me to share that. And one thing I want to point out, because so often it appears that people who are leaders in our community have gotten there by doing things that are 
inappropriate, unkind, manipulative, whatever, that many people have lost faith in their leaders. And yet you are on several boards. By any measure, you would be considered a successful man. Blessed. And you got there by behaving ethically, not Mm. by manipulating and being a sociopath. Correct. And <laughs> <laughs> Glad you clarified. <laughs> I, think she, I think she mentioned that. It sounded like a question as opposed to a comment. It was not Thank a you. question. Yes. <laughs> no, because I've had these conversations about people that we think get to these levels yeah. by a varying sort of behavior that we would not, any of us, choose to model. And there are people who choose not to step into leadership roles because they think they have to compromise their values. Mm -hmm. And so, Steve, I'm going to ask you the same thing. What are your special words or what is your special word? And how does that inform how you live your life? So I think of it as two words, learn and improve. And uh, I came from a uh, a medium-sized family in a very rural mm-hmm. community. Neither of my parents were in business, so we didn't have that in, as by way of background or education. Mm-hmm. But they did have values, mm-hmm. and they talked about their values, and those those were Christian values, and mm-hmm. they gave a, a fundamental grounding, mm-hmm. if you will. Mm-hmm. And as um, uh, time progressed and uh, my career in banking started, it was with a view of uh, all of it being new, continuously learning, and trying to get better literally every day. Mm-hmm. So along that path, uh, a number of things uh, opened up. A sense of community service. Mm-hmm. And while my parents had it, it was in a very modest way. Um, it was all they could, frankly, afford mm-hmm. um, uh, to do. But but seeing the impact and the leverage, coming back to one of Dwight's words, is enormous. And so with increasing uh, responsibilities, the the multiplier impact of that mm-hmm. has just gotten larger, and it's been such a great sense of satisfaction for me. So I really enjoy seeing what our colleagues do in the mm-hmm. community. I, I I enjoy when someone comes up to me unprovoked and says, I want you to know what your Huntington employees did for me mm. this week, yesterday. I can't believe the service I got, or, or things like that. Um, mm-hmm. I'm proud when I see the Huntington t-shirts on with colleagues volunteering in the community. And to do all that on a sustaining way, we have mm-hmm. to perform. And, mm-hmm. and so there's a certain amount of seriousness to the work every day. But doing that with this a purpose in mind, I think, is inspiring. And it's, it's, it's language that came from our colleagues. It's concepts from our colleagues that we've been able to build on mm-hmm. and, and, I think, create um, a company that maybe someday will be special. It is to me already. Hopefully, someday it will be to others. Well, to people like me who entrust my financial success, it is to me. And I'll tell you one of those stories now. So I bank in Clintonville, and my personal banker, whose name is Bill, pretty much is would refer to himself as my evil twin. <laughs> he, he has become such a go-to person for anything financial. It's not a business transaction. It is a business transaction, clearly, but it is also a friend transaction. I walk in and I get a hug, not just a have a seat in the waiting room kind of reaction. And he's that way with everybody. It feels much more welcoming than what I have had in the past as a sterile banking relationship. Right. It is that support. Well, thank you for your business. I want to thank Bill if you're listening. (laughs) Welcome is our tagline. And we use it internally as welcome to all. Mm-hmm. And that defines how we want to approach everyone, irrespective of their capabilities or capacities, their, their, their contributions to our success by mm-hmm. way of business or other things. We want to welcome everyone to Huntington. So you've talked a lot about the bank and your colleagues and, and the people who work at Huntington. I want to learn more about you. Well, that's a shame because I really don't like to talk a lot about me. I realize that, and I don't Mm -hmm. want to make you uncomfortable, but as the person who runs the bank, people do look to you. And what you're doing in the community, your actions have been a shining example, and the bank is thriving. Who are you? You, You've talked about the forward-looking and learning. Right. So I'm very fortunate. I am a husband, and mm-hmm. um, my wife and I have been married for over 33 years. Wow. And we have two wonderful children, 
27 and 23. And mm-hmm. uh, so a husband, a family member, and, mm-hmm. uh, and I have the privilege of being uh, with Huntington in a, in a leadership role. Can I throw something in here? Mm-hmm. I knew he wasn't going to yeah, talk about it. I know himself, you did. So, but, but when you think outside of the bank, the community, and I called you on this before, this article that you did earlier in the year, and, and I respect it. It was in a local newspaper. It was about mm-hmm. inclusion, respect, diversity. Those uncomfortable issues for many, you step out, and you're very public and passionate about bringing people together. I remember that article. I think I sent you a note the morning mm-hmm. I read it. And I sent it to a lot of other folks. So your desire to take a chance to deliver a message that needs to be heard, that maybe others would whisper about but not talk about. Could you share a little bit about that article, your thought process, and your passion and willingness to put yourself out there, courage, as a leader? Uh, What you're referencing, Dwight, was a simple op-ed on on my part, but it was... uh, cumulative toll, if you will, because I've been very concerned about the divisiveness mm-hmm. and rhetoric and rancor in the country and the mm-hmm. fact that people aren't listening to each other and there's not a mutual recognition of common ground and respect mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. that. So the event that triggered it was a terrible week where we had um, chemicals delivered to politicians and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and newsmakers. We had uh, of tragic slayings in Kentucky and in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. And, and Pittsburgh was the largest synagogue, uh, synagogue but it was, a stu- it was a synagogue in Pittsburgh. It was the largest um, massacre mm-hmm. of, of Jews in the U.S. in our history, and all in a week. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I decided that I needed to speak up. I reached out to a couple of business organizations. It was hard for them to rally others around mm-hmm. a common op-ed piece. So I decided to go alone, and um, I think it was a couple days uh, uh, later, the op-ed was released, and it talks about a willingness to be civil to each other for tolerance, Mm -hmm. for uh, mutual respect, for Mm -hmm. inclusiveness, for the core values Mm -hmm. that many of us have and and were taught uh, by our our parents, and uh, a hope that we will rally around those values and overcome this moment in time mm-hmm. and, and and do that in a way where uh, it's it'll be like a growing pain mm-hmm. um, but we move beyond it and we're better as we move forward much better as we move forward thank you for writing that article you're too kind <laughs> we talked a little bit about the I have a dream speech and it sounds like this was your I have a dream op-ed it wasn't nearly that, because uh, <laughs> I Have a Dream is in a category by itself, mm-hmm. a category of one. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was an effort to start discourse. The many in the business community I know feel the same way. And uh, I just had the, the, the moment where I felt compelled to, to, to speak out. Mm-hmm. And in central Ohio here, there's a wonderful partnership between, and it's called the partnership, mm-hmm. actually, mm-hmm between about 70 businesses, and we collaborate extensively on economic development primarily, but very significantly on community initiatives. Mm -hmm. And it results in public-private partnerships. So there's a very cohesive, collegial business community Mm -hmm. here in Columbus and Central Ohio, which I'm familiar with. And so I can say with confidence that the sentiments Mm -hmm. I expressed are generally shared by Mm -hmm. almost all. And... In a prior interview, I had the opportunity to talk to Alex Fisher about the partnership, and we have used that interview globally for other communities, including our friends in the Netherlands, Mm -hmm. who are exploring how to bring together public-private government organizations to really improve and solve problems that can no longer be solved by any one sector. And I think what the partnership is doing is a beautiful example of what's possible. Well, we've been uh, at it for almost 20 years. Mm-hmm. There have been a number of, of accomplishments, but the primary mission of economic development has certainly occurred here in central Ohio. We've gone from literally Cowtown uh, to, to now the fastest growing uh, city of uh, in, in roughly our peer group and the fastest growing in the Midwest. And there's just uh, a different vibe about the 
the city even than uh, existed ten years ago when I moved here. So this this collaboration, this willingness to work together, the ability for public officials to 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 come together in a collective mm-hmm, sense mm-hmm. with with private mm-hmm. ideas and initiatives, and uh, kudos to the business community for caring. The Kip School that Abigail Wexter found is a classic example where she uh, and her husband less substantially funded, but then invited others in the community to participate. And today you have three, you have an inner city campus on what was a golf course with three state-of-the-art buildings that serve 2,000 kids. That is, you'd be proud to mm-hmm. be there. I would mm-hmm. have been delighted to go to school there <laughs> uh, in terms of just the mm-hmm. physical elements. And you walk mm-hmm. into that school, Dwight was in it today, and he knows the kids are disciplined, yes. mm-hmm. they are focused, they are clearly learning. It's one of the highest uh, performing schools of its mm-hmm. nature in the state and in the country. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's because some people cared. Another organization that I know you have both supported financially and with your time is Junior Achievement. Yes. Well, I I grew up in JA. I'm probably the oldest alumni around. I joined JA <laughs> at 17, so I've been involved with JA for 45 years. But I wanted to comment on the I have a dream speech because I agree with Steve. Mm-hmm. That's in a category of one. But I was thinking about other phrases that are really inspiring. Former mm-hmm. President Obama, when he said, yes, I can, inspired a whole piece. generation to say, I believe that. Yes, I can. And there was a message mm-hmm. there. I think some of these I have a dream moments happen outside of the public eye, outside of the cameras. And I thought Mm -hmm. of a couple of examples. That's a teacher standing in front of his or her classroom the day before big tests saying, yes, Mm -hmm. you can, right? That's someone who's overcome great obstacles like cancer, standing up and sharing their story to inspire others. So I think that although I Have a Dream stands alone, there are a lot of I Have a Dream moments that are delivered by extraordinary people in very quiet settings. And I I think that's really uplifting and encouraging. And it seems the role of leaders to be doing that on a regular basis. More and more so. And and I think part of that's um, uh, becoming recognized at at a local level. And, And so we just happen to have had leaders here with great foresight who years and years ago realized the opportunity to both advance the economic a status uh, mm-hmm. of of the city, but also the elements that make a great community, mm-hmm. and to focus on both. And so, Dwight's uh, you know significant recognition of of a phrase from uh, President Obama or a teacher, but uh, here in Columbus is also an organization called I Know I Can, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that organization chose those words to inspire kids whose parents were dropouts, not all, but who, uh, an underprivileged, who are struggling, currently struggling, mm-hmm. who may not have the hope of ever going to college, let alone finishing high school. Mm-hmm. And so that group has been at this for, for many years now. And they have sent thousands and tens of thousands of kids to college with the inspiration of those four words, I know I can. And so words matter, coming back to your opener, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh, language is very important for all of us. Mm -hmm. And when we find common phrases that we can be inspired by, Mm -hmm. words that matter, as as Dwight is doing around Mm -hmm. the world, it has a huge impact. And and we spoke earlier, we all love our country. Mm -hmm. We are blessed to live in the greatest country on the face of the earth. And my love for kids leads me to believe that we should have the best education, the best health care, and a safe home for every child. We have the resources to do that. We just have to commit and be all in, sold out, if you mm-hmm. will, to our children. There's no reason why a child in our great country with our resources ought to go to bed hungry or ought to go to an inferior school. And so every day, I think, as individuals and as a society as a whole, we got to work on that. Those are big challenges, but I think there are enough smart people around that are loving and committed to figuring mm-hmm. out, and failure is not an option. I'm not willing to wait two or three more generations to mm-hmm. see our kids have equality. We've got to address that right away. Well, and, and in an environment of disruption, so I, I had the opportunity to interview Jim Grody the other day, who, mm-hmm. who owns Donato's, and they're committed in the space of food. Mm-hmm. And, and so how are they 
addressing significant food shortages in the U.S. And, and around the world. And they're talking about things like 3D printable food that is also engineered for people's physiology, so personalized mm -hmm. food. Mm -hmm. But 3D printable food, and I, I don't know enough about what that looks like, but will we get to a point in our lifetimes where everyone has enough food and how do we leverage the existing disruption to make these dreams possible? Healthy food, no cancer, supportive environments and families. This could happen in theory in our lifetimes. Well, let's hope, right? And it should happen. Mm -hmm. When you think about it the agricultural happen. capacity of this country, mm -hmm. um, it, it clearly is something that is in our means to mm -hmm. do. Mm -hmm. So it should happen. And great actions by the Grody family. Mm -hmm. I hadn't heard of 3D printable food. I'm not sure I want to try it anytime <laughs> soon, as good as their peaches are. But uh, but Jim and his family do many things in the community. Mm -hmm. The whole South mm -hmm. Side, uh, the South Side Community Center. Yeah. A series of things. So they're, they're, they're a family mm -hmm. with values of giving back. And there are many other families like that in business mm -hmm. here in, in, in central Ohio, Columbus, that are also very, very giving. And it was only later in my leadership career, and I, I'm only a couple years younger than you gentlemen, um, but it took a while for me to understand that leadership wasn't just focusing on my career. It also meant I had to focus on the community. And that's what the radio show is, is how do I leverage my skill to give back to, to aspiring leaders and current leaders around the world. And the two of you are beautiful role models that leading isn't just I go do my work at my company, but that my company is part of a bigger community and a global community in many cases, that your efforts with Huntington, with sophisticated systems, with my special word, with the Federal Reserve Bank, and with many other, with Pelotonia. All of those contribute not only to our Columbus community, but also to the global community. And Steve said several times, words matter, and they <laughs> do. Actions matter also. Uh -huh. So where, where you go off the rails is when you say one thing, and you behave mm -hmm. in a different fashion. I think mm -hmm. one of the things that happens in our community, and certainly at the Huntington, is it's not just about the words, it's about the actions. And you've personally experienced that with your personal banker in Clintonville. Mm -hmm. So I, I think we need to not just think about the words we say, but how we act. And, you've, and make sure there's consistency in that. When we don't, we destroy trust. There is no easy, and that's part of why you talk about being aspirational in your special mm -hmm. words. We know we fall short on occasion, and in some cases more often than we'd like to admit. And then it's how do we acknowledge to ourselves first that I fell short, and that how do I use my words internally, not just externally? Because I can be nice to other people and really brutal on myself. And that's not helpful either. Well, this this balance, right? And so, being overly self-critical isn't isn't isn't, isn't constructive. Mm -hmm. and, and it's this consistency of behaviors. But if, as as Dwight uh, articulated earlier, there's an equation where selection of words translates to actions. The consistency mm -hmm. of the actions with the language is so important, and mm -hmm. that's when you inspire others to follow or to get involved, and and to take action, mm -hmm. and. Uh, and as um, executives, we have a privilege and a responsibility in that regard. Mm -hmm. And Dwight, you talk about that to to those that receive much are obligated to give much. Uh, that's not exactly uh, your word. Much is given, much is required. And both of you demonstrate that on a daily basis, how much you give back. Well, Dwight's in a special category. That's well, unfair, Maureen. That, that is not true. <laughs> he is in a special category. <laughs> As are you, riding 100 miles. You don't just support it with your economics. You support it with your butt on a seat. Well, I go downhill very fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but most of those 100 miles are not downhill, not unless you're starting at the top of Kilimanjaro. I, I draft off Dwight. Actually, a couple of years ago, we were between, it was probably the 25-mile mark and 45, and we ended up riding together. That's right. And I can tell you, he's quite a bit faster than I am. Oh, hardly. So, <laughs> and I'm still practicing so that I can join the race. I'm not quite ready for 100 miles. Well, so, we'll look forward to seeing you out there. That's right. Yeah, now I'm 
committed publicly, aren't I, <laughs> to ride with my friend at, at the bank. So as we wrap up, do you have any closing comments or requests for our listeners? Uh, we are ending uh, uh, a decade. We're entering a new decade. What's your hope? My hope is that we end each decade, each year, each month, each day in a better place than we started. So I know a decade is a long period of time, mm -hmm. but I want to see success and forward movement each and every day. I don't want to wait. And so I think there's an opportunity in a new decade to set a vision. And I hope there'll be a, a, a number of visions that will come together that will be much more constructive, much more authentic in terms of core values mm -hmm. and, and living in a, in, a, in a more traditional fashion with respect and um, the willingness to listen, to engage, and to make impact and different, take action. And I, I really believe we have a, an up-and-coming generation who care deeply and they think differently and they're mm -hmm. much more constructive about what they want their world to be. And so being a little older now, I see it as our responsibility to try and set up this next generation and be open to their vision and to open pathways for them as well. I love that. The, the Native Americans use the phrase seven generations, that we're creating an environment for those generations going forward, that their lives will be better than ours because they stand on our shoulders. Very powerful. Thank you. So thank you very thank much. Thank you. So I want to just reiterate a couple of thoughts that what we say matters, how we say it matters who we say it to, whether it's through the newspaper, whether it's in the private conversation, whether it's it's on a radio show, that we model those behaviors and not modeling them breaks the trust. Modeling them inspires everyone around us to live up to those aspirations we hold to make the world better for our families and for those we'll never meet that will come generations beyond us. So thank you both. Thank How you. would a listener find out more about My Special Word? Uh, www.myspecialword.com. And Steve, I'm assuming you would like to share Huntington information? Well, let's show a Pelotonia. So okay. Pelotonia.org. <laughs> and let's help uh, all of us find cures for cancer and, and make this world a better place. Thank you. And for our listeners, thank you for joining. I hope you find this both inspirational and that you hear something during this conversation that you put into action, that you ride for Pelotonia, that you think about what word is most special to you that inspires you and that, that is aspirational in your actual behavior. As you enter 2020, if you're listening around the, the change of the decade, what is your personal aspiration for the next decade? Thank you for listening. I would love to get your feedback, either info at innovateleader.com, find me on LinkedIn, Maureen Metcalf, or on Facebook, Innovating Leadership. Thank you very much for joining. Thank you again for joining us this week. Please tune in for another edition of Innovating Leadership, co-creating our future with Maureen Metcalf next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope you'll join us then and have a great week.